At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Live from the Fly Fishing Show in Somerset, New Jersey, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowwick. the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, Series 2, Episode 3, live at the Somerset Fly Fishing Show, Somerset, New Jersey, 2012. It's been a fun day walking around, talking to uh, all sorts of characters, fly tires, rod makers, clothing manufacturers, and other personalities, and hopefully you guys are going to enjoy this. Jason's been walking around with me, uh, producer Jason, that is, who I always mention at the end of the podcast, and uh, we're going to try and break this up in a several podcasts if it's too long so we'll find out after jason polishes this all up and you want a little intro yourself jason uh sure my name is jason reef um i'm from bethlehem pennsylvania um probably about an hour about an hour away from here from somerset new jersey um been fly fishing for about three years um so I'm, i still feel like a beginner in most ways but um i do it in between you know the whole thing being married and uh, carpet cleaning right now as a full-time job and uh, doing a youth ministry at my church volunteer. Um, but uh, I got pretty lucky to be starting learning to fly fish in the Lehigh Valley. I got like trout streams I can walk, literally, literally walk to from my house. Um, the Monoxy Creek, the Bushkill Creek, um, the Saucon Creek, and the Little Lehigh Creek are all 
10, 15 minutes away from me. So I've got some great places to go, including I can get up to the, the upper Lehigh River, which is basically a tailwater that's not really well known. Um, and I can get up to the Poconos in about an hour, which has some classic, beautiful, beautiful streams up there. So I've been kind of going all over, um, just kind of teaching myself. Nobody in my family ever did it. I just kind of taught myself how to do it. Um, and picked up a lot by just listening to podcasts and stuff like that. So that's why I decided to help Rob out. Um, I've been doing music recording for a long time and um, playing music of my own and know how to do audio stuff. So I thought I'd give Rob a, a hand with what's going on. So That's why the podcast sounds so much better. And in the Poconos, <laughs> avoid the Village Squire. The Villa, what is that? It's the worst restaurant I've ever a been restaurant. to. A restaurant, okay. The Village Squire. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so bad. So. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be out on the floor, and we'll give you guys uh, get some good hits, some good, uh, good stuff, good interviews we got. So, Thanks, Jason. No problem. We'll see you. This man needs no introduction. We have Lefty with us. Lefty, tell us how the show's going for you so far. It's been mobbed. You can hardly walk around, yeah. But very good. It's definitely warm in here today with all the people. Uh, how, many, how many years have you been coming to the fly fishing show? I started fly fishing in 1947, and we started going to shows in the middle 50s, but I've been to shows in Australia and England and Europe and all over the place, and uh, I'm doing at least five outdoor shows this year, just fly shows, plus clinics, plus I'm going to be fishing for permit in, in a couple weeks. And then we're making a television show with Liam Neeson and Tom Brokaw and Michael Keaton in early March. So, uh, and I'll be 87 in two weeks. So I'm kind of I'm keeping busy. If I live that long, I'll do all them things. 87 years young. Do you have any favorite memories from a fly fishing show or anything from from this weekend's show going on that you can? The best thing, the most thing I think here is I had three little brothers. One of them came up to my belt, and the other two were. I'm only five foot six. One of them was just an inch tall. Me, the other one was in between. All three of them in five minutes learned to throw tight loops and roll cast well. And to me, that's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that type of thing with young kids like that. And you've always said your favorite type of fishing, fly fishing, has been bonefish. Do you have a particular favorite spot that you've enjoyed going to? I like uh, Las Rocas and in Venezuela best, but the trouble is it's not a, it's not safe to go there right now. It's a bunch of rocks 80 miles offshore. But uh, there's good bone fishing lots of places. Uh, parts of the Bahamas have got excellent bone fishing. Um, there's uh, some of those outer islands like Crooked Island and some of those are not hard hit. Um, unfortunately, the Keys fishing has been become more difficult all the time. In fact, the Upper Keys were doing these films to try to raise money for uh, research from Amarada North. We're losing a lot of our bonefish. They really don't know why. I suspect it might be just, uh, oh, I'm not sure, but I think it's maybe water quality because it's closer to Miami. But um, bonefishing still is my most interesting. I've caught I just finished a book of 101 fish I caught on fly. Not how to catch them, but an experience you have with each one. And I've caught more than 101. And I, if I had one day left to fish, it would be for bonefish. 
And you're at the Temple Fork Outfitters booth. Can you tell us about your relationship with TFO? Yeah, it's uh, the whole the whole industry has changed the last few years. It used to be that uh, a cheap rod was four or five hundred dollars, and fathers couldn't afford to get their sons or daughters into it. Uh, if you pay more than $150 for a rod today, chances are it'll cast better than you will. And and uh, the new uh, the new sa- the new uh, BVK models here are very very light, very strong. They cost $250. That's their most expensive rod, I think. And uh, Temple Fork has trouble keeping them in stock. I've got the Deer Creek Switch rod so far. Driving that out to Colorado in a couple weeks. Producer Jason, any questions for Lefty? I'm all right. Thanks. And you've always got one-liners. Can you leave us with one little word of wisdom to our listeners? Uh, well, you might. The, the, the wife came in and asked her husband, do you want dinner? And he said, well, what are my choices? And the wife said yes or no. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lefty. All right, we got Kevin or No, it's, it's audio, nothing in your teeth. Yeah, podcast. Oh, we got Kevin Arculio here. He's out of Georgia, and he's probably got the most creative flies that you can actually fish with compared to some of the other, like, fancy-looking flies here. So, Kevin, let's talk about your flies, how you make them. They're all articulated. We'll do some uh, videos and uh, some pictures for the website, too. So I have to reach over all his flies to tell you about this. So here he goes. Uh, yeah, basically I came up with a, a new design that uh, incorporates foam discs um, bee chain, some natural materials, some synthetic materials, and uh, some different types of bodies for uh, the different types of, of, you know, forage or critters or bait that we're tying. Uh, some of them represent bait fish. Uh, some represent, uh, I've got some, some mouse flies that, uh, that we've created, some new crab flies, and then some frogs that come both in a popper version and a, a slider version and then most of the other flies represent some sort of bait fish or popper if you want to tell maybe some of your secrets how do you get these shapes to your flies the materials that's in them uh well actually the 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 tail material that's made out of foam discs and bead chain uh the discs that are that i use and glue onto the bead chain uh, most of those i actually cut using some cutters uh, that i bought from uh, uh, a guy who owns a machine shop and has a website called sleazy steve's soggy bottom fly shop and uh, you get the cutters from him they're pretty inexpensive somewhere between eight and fifteen bucks a piece put them in a drill press put a big stack of foam underneath it and start you know drilling out discs um, to use to uh to put the action together for the flies and then once the discs are done it's really a matter of most of the bead chain will take will tie some type of tail or feet or claw or something like that on it and then start sliding the discs on and we glue each individual disc um not really it doesn't have to have a bead in between but through spacing and there is a special glue i've used i've tried about 15 different glues and uh the glue that i found that works the best is uh gorilla glue super glue it's um, it's kind of a rubberized super glue, and uh, it's, just works the best. Once you put the glue on the bead chain, you slide the disc over, uh, over it. You have about five to ten seconds working time, and you really have to tear the foam to get it off the bead chain. Um, 
As far as some of the bodies of the flies, I'll use foam cylinders and take a Dremel tool and shape them. Um, I use some foam crab bodies. Uh, the frogs that I tie, I use Rainey's frog bodies and then also Rainey's mouse bodies for the, uh, the mouse patterns. These are some pretty big looking flies. So what weight rod would you suggest, like weight line-wise? Well, I mean, it depends, on the, it depends on the fly. I have some flies you can cast on a five weight, some of the smaller bait fish patterns. Um, I have a small frog. Um, and then there's some flies, uh, like I just tied an eel fly this morning that you'd probably need a ten weight to cast. Uh, but, but really, the flies look big, um, and some of them are big, but they're also very lightweight just because they're made out of really just foam, bead chain, and a hook. So, uh, you know, some flies I'll try to actually use less, you know, a smaller size phone and a bigger bead chain to make it either suspend or to sink. And then, but the ones that I want to float, I'll use a smaller bead chain and bigger phone. But still overall, for the size of the fly, they're pretty, pretty light. We were at a restaurant the other night that had the big bead chain for the Venetian blinds. And my wife's like, don't even think about it. I was recently, this past spring, we went to, my, my family and I went to Disney World. And we walked into the Contemporary Hotel, and they had a whole wall of giant bead chain, you know, from the ceiling to the floor. And it was all I did, you know, it took all I could not to go get like a pair of pliers and cut off several sections. It was unbelievable. Any, uh, any favorite people? that have come by today so far any fun stories from this weekend any strange people there's some characters walking around uh, no, no, not really strange people um i guess one of the things in tying some of the flies here i've lost a few flies had a few uh, that were taken but that's okay you know it's flattery um you know i've had a lot of a lot of the great legend people come around uh, or at least legends to me um and, and make comments um which which is unbelievably flattering you know people like uh you know, Bob Popovics and, uh, you know, Johnny King and um, Henry Cowan and, uh, you know, some of those type folks. So that that means that means a lot. And, and but really what means the most are, are all the people that are just attending the show. You know, the actual fishermen, people who, you know, a lot of people want to come up and buy them. And I, I don't sell flies at the show. I'm in the process of trying to get one of the fly manufacturers to carry them like a Orvis or a Rainey's someone like that and um but it's 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 very good feel good and it's it's very flattering and i appreciate everyone's support these are the coolest flies you're going to see all weekend kevin thanks for uh taking the time out my pleasure anytime where can we find you online uh kevin fishing.com i'll have links on the website all right we got crosby crosby being here of hardy grays i know him as coach my old boss and breck outfitters Let's talk about Hardy's rods and, and what's new and what's making you guys, you know, leaders in the industry. Okay, well, we've the past couple years we've been working on a Centrix material manufacturing process that's been very successful in a couple different ranges of rods, a saltwater taper called the Pro Axis from Hardy and also the freshwater taper called the Zenith. Both are applying the silica nano matrix resin into a very, very, uh, applied onto a very, very high modulus graphite. And what the silica particulate does actually has a naturally a silica glass has an electrical charge that allows 
the particulates to evenly spread and disperse themselves and distribute themselves across the carbon fiber prepreg. And what this, in terms, in our terms, what we can understand tangibly is that this, because of the way that these particulates distribute themselves, it makes the rod 60% more stronger than anything that's currently on the market. The, very, the compression strength is very durable, the bruising strength is very good. So if you like the action of the rod, the durability category is all taken care of. Um, the, as far as the, we, the one, one really notable part about this Centrix technology is that we've applied this, these rods into, we have a four piece, or we have four piece configurations, we also have a one piece configuration. We now sell and build one piece rods, four weight, five weight, six weight, seven weight, eight weight, nine weight, 10 weight, 11 weight, and 12 weight, all in a one piece configuration. Very, very different. There's not a brand in the world that's doing it. And it's really our attempt to be, be committed to this industry and having niche style rods and showing that we really want to move forward with this, with our business progressing annually. If that's not the best rod selling interview we're going to do all day, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> Any words of wisdom out there for us? Don't trout set on a tarpon. <laughs> do I need to sweep your guys' area like I used to do in the shop? Definitely. <laughs> All right. Favorite, favorite Harrison Ford movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Good answer. Crosby, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. All right. So we got Andy Mill with us of Hardy Grays. How did you get involved with Hardy Grays? Um, well, I've spent the last 30 years really focusing on tarpon, fishing tournaments for 15 years. And, you know, I think at some point along the line, I realized that my passion was as great to catch these tarpon as it was is trying to win a, an Olympic gold medal when I was a skier. So I really allocated all my efforts to be, uh, being the tarpon fisherman I became eventually. And about, oh, three years or three, four years ago, Jim Murphy from uh, Hardy came and asked me if I'd like to help them with the saltwater rods and reels. And so at that point, they had the Zane collection. I looked at what they had. I told them the future, which way we have got to go if you want to change the sport. Well, what we've done is with the Centrix resin, we had access to that resin. That's what gave us the opportunity to build these rods. So I got involved because they came to me knowing that I had been fishing for tarpon for the last 30 years, and I was as active and as focused on, on doing what I'd been doing for so long that they thought that I could help them out. And so that's how it became to fruition. And you've got the new tarpon book out. I guess it's maybe a year old now? Yeah, it's been, uh, came out about a year ago. Have you seen it? I've seen it over here at the booth. I haven't picked it up. Yeah. No, it's a... Uh, it's a great paperweight. <laughs> it weighs about 10 pounds, yeah, but the book's out. And that took about six years to write. But I wanted to make sure I had it, I had it, I had it right before we produced it. And it just took a long time because with that methodology, that was pretty easy to write. How do I catch fish successfully? But what took a while was getting all these icons, uh, getting their stories. And we, in the book, we interviewed 13 of the icons that innovated the sport. And then getting the photographs of them in the early years. Um, so it's a great anthology, if you will, of what tarpon fishing is. And what's your favorite Hardy's outfit right now for tarpon? Well, I think that 11-weight one-piece rod is the greatest. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. 
Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Really, not only just for tarpon, it's the greatest saltwater fly rod ever built in the fact that in the past, saltwater fly rods had to sacrifice either castability or durability. And now with this resin, we can build a rod that is light, it's sensitive, it's soft, it's butter to cast, but yet it's incredibly durable. You, you absolutely almost virtually cannot break it. In three years of building this, this rod, there's only been three rods broken. The industry as a whole breaks three to 5% of their product a year. I fought an 800-pound hammerhead on this 11 weight last year, and I had straight 100-pound tests. That's how I test these rods. I catch big fish, 100-pound test, and I try to, try to catch them in like four minutes. I try to abuse our rods and reels. And if they can withstand that kind of abuse, then they're going to be great. They're going to be everlasting rods. So my perfect setup, I think for almost anybody, if they want to catch big fish, is that 11-weight rod with our Fortuna reels. Now, our Fortuna reels got a braking system with carbon fiber disc drag system. We can apply 35 pounds of drag if you want. So if you want to fish outside the confines of IGFA and go catch a 500-pound blue marlin, you now have a reel that you can apply 35 pounds of drag, and you've got a rod that won't break. That's, that's phenomenal. So I'm driving out to Colorado in a couple weeks. we got a place in Breck. Any uh, secret spots you might want to give up from your time out west? Just make sure you keep the sunny side, the shiny side up when you're skiing. And, uh, God, you're going to be in Breckenridge. You know, there's uh, a lot of good fishing right there in the blue, right below the dam. I'll be there. And uh, back in your show that used to be on OLN, you had a, a comment or a quote. You're fishing the toilet bowl up on the frying pan. Yeah. And this always stuck with me. You're holding a fly rod. And you said, holding a fly rod in my hand is like home. And that always stuck with me. That is just like, just like home. Well, you know what? It's amazing when you find something that, that you're so comfortable with, and it might be a pair of skis or a certain fly rod or whatever, you know that that just makes you so happy and so warm and fuzzy. And it's like certain fly rods you put in your hand, and I just know, like, I own this rod. This rod and I are one, you know? And so that's the way it is with me with the 11-weight tarpon rod. I put that thing in my hand, I can do anything with it. I can cast where, when, and as fast as I want, and I can catch the biggest fish possible. That's awesome. What solutions do you guys have for traveling with these one-piece rods? Well, a lot of people, you know, so let's just say if you're a tarpon guy and you go to the Keys every year, and you want to fish the one-piece rod. A lot of the anglers just buy these rods and send them down and have their guides hold the rods for them. Now, a lot of other people, you know, like me in Colorado, my, my freshwater rods, I never break my rods down. So I fish one-piece rods in Colorado, and I've got hooks in my garage. I walk in and hang them on a hook, and I'm done. I want to go fish, and I grab the rod, and away I go. But if you're a traveling fisherman, and not many people really travel to fish, then the four-piece rod is perfect. You know, and I don't travel that much, but when I do, I've got the four-piece. Take it right on the plane with me, and there's, there's no worries about losing it. The one-piece rod, for the most part, you're not going to sell a pile of, but you're going to really make the people who are really religious about their fishing, you're going to make these guys happy, whether they be tarpon guys or freshwater guys. That one-piece rod is that honey, that honey rod, if you will. And they're not going to be traveling with it. And if you travel, obviously, you got to have both. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andy. You're welcome. Good to see you guys. We've got Rick Pope of Temple Fork Outfitters, an owner, CEO. President, President, owner, got some partners, but yeah. So on my drive up here, I like to listen to fly fishing podcasts. I listen to Zach Matthews, itinerant angler. That was a really good just business aspect of the fly fishing. 
which I really enjoyed, taking your company back from the 90s to where it is now. You know, opinions about the business are pretty varied. You know, we've been lucky to be where we are relative to Price and, and the group of advisors that we have helping us. Uh, sorry about my voice, but it's Somerset, right? I mean, your voice goes. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great ride and had a lot of good luck and a lot of good help along the way. I really enjoyed the part about people's perspectives of made in America versus made overseas and your comments with the cars and parts being made here and there was, yeah, was real interesting. Was a, a Gary Loomis epiphany we had in uh, Portland, as I recall, about, you know, I'm, I'm a Chevy guy all my life, and now I have a Toyota pickup made in San Antonio. And uh, Gary's a made in the USA, former Navy. You know, G. Loomis was all about all about that. And, and, and ultimately, it it's, kind of gets down to it's, it's not macroeconomics or uh, where something's made as much as it is providing consumers good value and good service. Toyota money goes to Japan. TFO money stays in the U.S. They just happen to be made in South Korea. Do you have a favorite TFO outfit? Do you prefer to fish or one that ends up being fished the most of any other rods and reels? I'm guilty. The last one that we ever do is always the one that, that I'm fishing the most. Uh, the BVKs have really been my favorite for a couple of years since we started prototyping them. Um, and I would say last year's first full year of selling them, they've been incredibly popular. Uh, pretty much all casting styles and all ranges of ability. Great. That's great for you guys. Any uh, characters have come by the booth so far? Anything memorable from the show? All of them. Um, as busy as this place looks, I don't think there. 10% of the people might not know who this guy is, Lefty. Uh, but between Lefty, Nick Curcione, Bob Clauser, and Ed Jabarowski, our booth would be busy if we didn't have any rods uh, to show anybody. So it, it, it's all fun. Oh, uh, you're involved with uh, Project Healing Waters. Yes. We use your rods at Walter Reed. Yes. How did you guys get involved with them, if you want to talk about your relationship? Uh, would love to, and the program. It's the best. Uh, I think it was probably 2001 or two. may have been right here in this booth. Uh, Ed Nicholson, Doug Maddy, who was with the Pentagon, and Evan Forsyth, who was uh, a Walter Reed Ranger that was going through rehab, came into the booth to thank us for loaning them rods for some of their outings. At the time, we had a couple of rods we were doing for the Casting for Recovery program, the Women Breast Cancer program. <clears throat> said, this is great. Why don't we do the same thing for Project Healing Waters? <coughs> you know, it, 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 the royalty that we pay, which is all the money we make, is not going to affect the program that much. But the visibility... And the stories that the rods generate, uh, I think, has really helped the program. And, and, you know, Ed's taken it a long way. Yesterday was his birthday, and Warren Phillips is new CEO. And uh, we're looking forward to doing, as we always have, as much as we can. It's the most worthy program that we're involved in. Well, thank you for your time. And, uh, yes, I will see you next at the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival. That and the two-fly and... Uh, yeah, look forward to it. I'll be at the two-fly this year. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you so much. See you, Rod. 
Nick, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us about the new rod you developed? Yes, my name is Nick Kersione. I'm with TFO. Um, I do a lot of overhand casting with the two-handed rods in the surf and on the jetties. And this year, we came out with uh, what's called the Pandion series. Everybody asks, what's Pandion? It's the Latin word for bird of prey. <clears throat> but we have three rods in the series, basically a six-weight, an eight-weight, and a 910. And I designed these for both Skagit casting, which is a spade cast. It's kind of a specialized cast for heavy flies, sink tips. And also, with the same rod, enabling you to overhead cast when you need maximum distance, especially like standing on the beach, that wind's always blown in your face. you got to drive that line into the wind. What makes these rods somewhat unique is that they have Kevlar incorporated into the construction, so they're able to handle a wide range of grain weights. Uh, some of these I'm throwing like 750 grains on, on the 8 and the 9 weight. So very, very versatile rods, and uh, they've been well received. Excellent. And uh, so you're based out of the, the Bay Area? Yeah, currently I'm in San Francisco. You probably tell me my accent. I'm an East Coast guy. Spent a lot of time in Southern Cal, uh, and I'm in <clears throat> yeah, San Francisco where I'm rusting. <laughs> so my brother-in-law lives out there. Any spots I should go and fish when I'm not hanging out with him? You know, the Delta, uh, which, of course, is, you know, east of San Francisco proper, uh, is a good fishery. Uh, the beaches in the San Francisco area can produce striped bass. So I would say probably those those two areas. If I had my first choice would be the Delta. Any any favorite bu uh, pubs or bars I should visit? Yes. Every year, the Golden Gate uh, Casting and Angling Club hosts the Spay-O-Rama. It's the world's spay casting championships. The young man that won it two years ago, Rory Costello, it sounds a little convoluted, he casts for the Scottish team, the Karen Rod team, Rory Costello, with the Italian name, lives in Ireland. Most of his family is in San Francisco, and his cousin owns Costello's Four Deuces. No food, just drink. So it's a real Irish That's my kind of place, and hopefully I won't drink too much next time I go there and get my nose pierced like I did in college. My mom was not happy when I came home with the nose ring. Well, th thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. So we got Henry Cowan right now. You may have uh, heard him on Zach's podcast about fishing for bass down in uh, Hotlanta. So how's the show going for you right now? Uh, Rob, it's a great show. It's, it's probably I've attended the show for 20 years on both sides of the table. First as a, as a viewer, now as somebody who participates, probably for the last 10 or 12. It's, in my opinion, the best show in the country. Anything memorable so far from this one? Anything memorable? Uh, let me think. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what I saw that was unbelievable. Right across from us, those guys with those shark tooth, that 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 uh, cutter that sits on your tippet material is just a bomb. That's to me, that's the most exciting thing I've seen this year. What about the guy to your, your right? He ties some pretty cool flies. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Arculio, A.K.A. Fluffy. Fluffy uh, just tied up his first eel. Uh, at the show, and it, it is, I've had a, a number of people that I've had to slap their hand away from it trying to confiscate it that are saltwater guys. Do they put the southern guys, well, you're not, you're pseudo-southern, but is this like the the Georgia booth right here? Yeah, this is the this is the bulldog booth. This is uh, Sikkim. 
Oh, oh, oh. This is the bulldog booth, man. Have you had a chance to try the chicken fingers in the concession stand? You know, I have not. I, I have not. I did get to try the Dunkin' Donuts uh, just down the block a little bit. And so now between the donuts and you come down to Georgia, man, we'll give you a grit. We'll let you try one grit before, see if we turn you into a southern boy. I want to go to the Varsity. I've always heard about that place. Listen, Varsity is wonderful. Probably some of the best hot dogs. Now, it's not as good as Nathan's in Coney Island. Remember, you're talking to a Brooklyn kid, but it's a great hot dog. And uh, you come down to the varsity, you come down, you come down, let me buy you a hot dog and I'll bring the Pepto. I'll do that. I usually do a Pepto shot before I drink, so it kind of greases my belly. And what are you tying right now? You got a big old, looks like, yakky streamer thing? Yeah, I'm tying a, uh, a, a big giant bunker fly right now for uh, out of yak hair. And what we do is we use those flies in the northeast, especially in the spring when we get that migration of big fish coming up to Chesapeake. They're eating these mature bunker that are anywhere from 10 to 14 inches long, and these are all 25 to 40 pound fish. Good, good fly to tie. Speaking about bunkers, how about the, you know, the big decimation in them by the, the oil industries and people trying to feed them to cats? It's a pretty, uh, pretty lame excuse to destroy an entire ecosystem. Rob, it's probably, uh, you know, in, in the fly fishing business or in the fishing business, that's probably the worst news we could see of these guys, these, uh, this big company down in Virginia just decimating the bunker population, and then everybody wants to know why we don't have striped bass up and down the coast. Well, just go look and see what they're doing to the food source, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty lame excuse. Thanks for joining us. And one last thing, um, favorite Harrison Ford movie? Favorite, oh, it's famous, favorite Harrison Ford movie. Uh, it's got to be uh, Raiders. Good answer. All right, Henry, thanks for joining us. So I got, I got Dennis here, and he's a tarpon guru. Let's talk tarpon. Hey, how you doing, Rob? I've hooked one tarpon before, and that was in uh, the canals at Turkey Point in Key Largo at night. And I was with the crazy boss from my fly shop that I worked at, and he botched the whole thing. So uh, what's it like to really hook and land a tarpon? Uh, it's just once you do it, you'll be hooked for life. It's, it's an amazing feat. Where are you based out of or where you do most of your fishing? I fish uh, two places uh, pretty consistent. I fish out of Isla Morada. I'm real lucky I go with uh, one of the most famous guides down there named Rick Ruoff. He, uh, he's been doing it for 35 years and just gives you all the shots you want. You know, you don't always hook up, but, boy, you get a lot of shots with him. And then I go with uh, Steve Kilpatrick in Homosassa, Florida. And Steve was the guide when Jim Holland caught the world record uh, about a few years ago. It was 202 pounds, and he's probably one of the best down there. Can you tell us about the tackle you're catching them on, rod reels, uh, you know, the tarpon uh, you know, leaders that you got to use, and maybe some of the flies. I know flies have changed a lot in the last couple of years for tarpon. Yeah, it's uh, different in both places. In the Keys... The fish are, the water is gin clear mostly, unless you go way in the back country. So you're using lighter, what we call bite tippet, which is the last 12 inches of your uh, leader. You're using probably 60 pound, and when they're real spooky, 40 pounds, but very rarely do you land one with 40 pound uh, bite tippet. And use a leader uh, that's... Uh, Basically, the knots are blood knots to keep a low profile. So you'll just start with like 60 pound, go down to 40 pound, then go down to your class tippet, which 
is either 16 or 20 pound, and then you put your bite tippet on. And they're all blood knots all the way. Uh, so that's in the keys. In, and they're very long leaders. If, if it isn't super windy, you're using leaders close to 11, 12 feet long. In Homosassa, you use the, uh, use a, uh, uh, the bimini twist on your 20-pound uh, class tippet, and you'll attach that to, like, 60-pound going to your fly line, and then we use 60 to 80-pound bite tippet in uh, Homosassa. The water's a little dirtier. You can get by with the big bimini knots, and uh, you need a little give, and that bimini knot uh, kind of gives a little more. The fish are a lot bigger in Homosassa. Uh, I would say the average fish in the Keys is probably 60 to 100 pounds, and in Homosassa, the average fish is probably anywhere from 110, 120, up to over 200 pounds. And they're amazing. Last year, I caught a uh, 190 and a 170 in Homosassa on 16-pound test. And it was amazing, amazing. And I've caught on 20-pound test. I caught and released one with Steve that he said was bigger than Jim Holland's. But uh, I don't like killing those fish. They're 60, 70 years old, and I just have a hard time killing something that's old as me, you know. (laughs) That's been out there reproducing. Keep those genetics in the gene pool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's fighting sharks uh, for survival, and it's just crazy killing something like that. So I really enjoy just catching them and seeing them swim away. Got a favorite place to eat down in the Keys? Yeah. Um, oh, geez. Trying to think. I like the uh, uh, Lorelei for drinks and just uh, quick meals. What's uh, Kevin, what's the name of the place? Mad Dog and Ziggy's for steaks. Fantastic. You know, I know seafood, but, boy, if you want a good steak, Mad Dog and Ziggy's is just unbelievable. You ever been to the Florida Keys Marina and Fisheries with the lobster Reuben? I am not. That's my wife's favorite. Yeah. Well, I'd like to try that sometime. They got good chicken fingers. There you go. (laughs) And you can take the, the scraps from the restaurant. The kitchen will give them to you. And there's tarpon. It's not like Robbie's. Where you hand feed them, but you can just toss it right over like the picnic table, and there's like seven tarpon just waiting to eat it. Are you talking about the Alamorada Fish Company? Because that you can do that there also. This is lower down. This might be in Marathon. Okay. Keys Fishery Marina. I can't remember. They got cold Carib too. Bottles of it. Really? Sounds good. Um, you online anywhere? Anywhere we can find you? Or uh, I'm on. Uh... Not really, I, but uh, my email address is dficko at comcast.net. If you got any questions on tarpon, I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks for joining us. I think that's the, the first in-depth tarpon talk we've had this weekend. So thank you very much, Dennis. Pleasure to meet you. Cheers. We are with Derek DeYoung right now, and he's currently painting a char of some sort, brook trout. Brook trout, you got it. Brook trout, so... Uh, I think one of the things about your artwork is you kind of know it when you see it from the vivid, vibrant colors, and just usually there's certain angles to it that you see on a lot of Sims products. It's yep. Very, very noticeable. I was telling you yesterday that I saw a bumper sticker of a salmon 
on a uh, pickup truck in Diamond Head, Hawaii. So yeah. you're definitely getting out there. Yeah, we're s- starting to send stuff all over the place. It's kind of crazy to go to the boat launch and see a bunch of forerunners with my stickers on them all over the place. So it's cool. Where are you based out of? Livingston, Montana. Oh, poor you. That's, yeah. <laughs> Jersey's got to be awful for you right now. Not too bad, and we're here with a ton of people that love fly fishing, and that's what brought us all the way out here. It's, you know, the biggest show around, so. That makes, I drive up from uh, Northern Virginia for it, so it's a good way to network and get a lot of people I otherwise couldn't talk to, so. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I've heard people driving, you know, 10 hours to get here, but real nice and busy, and people just, you know, totally into the sport. Have you always been an artist and painter? Yep, since I was a little kid, painting fish too, so not much has changed at all. And uh, yeah, still just loving it. It's pretty rewarding when you get to make a career out of it too. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a, a, a balance. It's like paint fish long enough and fantasize about actually catching them and then go out and actually do so. It's So spend a lot of time out on the water too. That's what I love to do. It's quite the way to live. Any particular favorite places in Montana that you fish? Um, well, it changes every year, you know, but last year my favorite place was Yellowstone Lake and uh, going out in my little motorboat and just getting away from everybody and catching Yellowstone cutthroats. It's, they're just so beautiful. My wife has no interest in going to Yellowstone. I need to like drag her and put her in the trunk and go there. I don't know what it is. She'll love it when she gets there. Janelle was, uh, my wife was the same way until she saw it herself. It seems like just a big tourist trap, but it's actually amazing, especially if you get off the beaten path and go out and, you know, kind of have some solitude. It's amazing. The animals that you'll see, I mean, one night we sat at the back of our campsite overlooking Yellowstone Lake, and an elk came charging in between us and our, and our tent. And, uh, I mean, just where do you see that? Not in Northern Virginia. That's guaranteed. Any uh, major inspirations in your, your painting? Anybody you've looked up to through the years? You know, um, not really. I mean, I did go to art school and did a lot of studying of art history. But uh, and, and anytime I can go to galleries or museums, I'm, I'm there and looking at all the different types of artwork for inspiration. But not really one spe- specific person at all. Just just essentially trying to trying to bring something new to the table and show people a little bit of a, a fresh idea on, on what they've seen maybe quite a bit. Favorite species of fish to paint? Probably still the brown trout. They're, they're so much fun because they're just always different colors and patterns, and, you know, I love catching them too, so I, that probably helps. Are you painting from memory? I see you've got, like, a little sketch in front of you now. Is that maybe somebody's photograph, or is that your own? No, that's just uh, um, something from my sketchbook that I thought would make a good painting for the show, and so I just uh, just printed it out and put it up and trying to kind of capture some of the values and stuff that are on it. And since people can't see it, I'm just going to touch it with a microphone. <laughs> so hopefully you can decipher that. And your wife is part of the business too? Yep, Janelle uh, is an integral part. She helps me, uh, you know, stay organized and keep everything going on a daily basis. I'm, I'm good at putting paint on canvas, and she's good at almost everything else. So, that's awesome. And where can we find you on the internet these days? Uh, my website is canvasfish.com, and I'm on Facebook and wherever you can probably find me. Just put my name in. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out. 
Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, we got Jason from Allen Fly Fishing Company. Let's talk about you got rods, reels, and some hooks here. We do. We got everything from six foot six three weights to fourteen foot nine weight spay rods. Everything in between. How long have you guys been on the market? About two and a half years. Smaller company. Just starting out on the show circuit now. I got to throw one of the rods yesterday. I'd say it was, it was really nice, lightweight, and it was high wind advisor yesterday. And we were having no issues throwing that. Yeah, the feedback we've been getting from the people at the shows on the rods has been a. It's a good validation for the hard work we've put in. Uh, it's really rewarding to see how much people are enjoying casting the rods. And you're based on the West Coast. So you're fishing salmon, steelhead, cutties? Salmon, steelhead, and trout, mostly. Which rod are you uh, mostly fishing out there? I am fishing a 7126, a 12.5-foot spay rod, 7-weight, or some of our 3- and 4-weights on the small stream for trout. And where can we find you guys? Besides going to my website and hitting the Pro Guide Direct link, so I can get commission. Where can we find you on the internet? We can be found at allenflyfishing.com. Any uh, notable clients come by anything funny today? Funny stories, funny dressed people? Yeah, a lot of people who have seen us online and haven't gotten the chance to see any of our gear in person, and that's what we're, that's what we're hearing a lot of. Excellent. Uh, favorite Jim Carrey movie? Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, Truman Show. I've never seen that one, actually. That's the one where he does, like, the camera? Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about rod design? Uh, what do you want to know about the rod design? How does one start, like, designing a taper length and weight? So do you go by, like, a salmon rod for big rivers, or you want, like, brook trout in a small stream? Yeah. Uh, first thing, you want to know what you want out of the rod. Uh, you want to know if you wanted a... A tip flex, mid flex, uh, those are all very important things. That's going to determine the type of graphite that you're, you're wrapping in there. Uh, different graphites have different uh, different properties and different flexes and stuff like that. So it's a lot of it's a lot of starting from scratch and figuring out what you want in the, the final product, and then you kind of go from there. You got a favorite one of your rods that you're fishing, like your your baby, your your favorite one that you'd suggest for others? Well, being on. Uh, the big glacial coastal steelhead series of Washington State, 14-foot, 9-weight, or like Jason said, the uh, 12-and-a-half-foot, 7-weight, 10-foot, um, 7-weight, tw- uh, uh, and I also like the 10-foot, 4-weight a lot. Favorite brew pub in Seattle? Uh, Black Raven. Not really a brew, plub, brew pub, but uh, Black Raven is the best brewery in Washington. It's two blocks from my house. That's pretty... Good. You ever been to Elysian? I had their IPA infused with jasmine. That was pretty tasty. I used to brew at three different breweries there. So, yeah. I could talk for a while about this one. Breweries and rods. This could be a... We might have to do a whole podcast separately about that. Well, thanks for your time. This has been Evan... How do I pronounce your last name? Burke. Burke. Evan Burke from Allen Fly Fishing. So, find them online. Find them on my website. Thank you, guys. Hi. Here you go. We're talking with Todd from South Fork Lodge and Outfitters. Let's talk about fishing in Idaho. So we're on the uh, South Fork of the Snake. It's probably one of the premier dry fly fisheries in the country. Uh, it's a tailwater uh, on the Snake River. Comes out of uh, Jackson, runs into Palisades Reservoir, and then uh, out it goes down the river. It's, we've got a big, huge temperature variant, so we, it's, it supports a lot of different aquatic uh, insects. We've got every stonefly in the, in the American West and a huge abundance of uh, mayflies. 
about fishing season? If someone's coming out to fish with you, peak season, off season, what should someone be looking for? Peak season uh, probably starts first week of July, goes through about the uh, mid-September when everybody goes home. But fishing remains solid all the way into December, depending depending on what we get for a winter. So you, you can come out there and catch fish on a dry fly almost year-round. Where should somebody be looking for you on the Internet if they're listening while they're sitting at their desk at work right now? Just uh, type in uh, South Fork Outfitters, Swan Valley, Idaho, and we're gonna, if you Google it, we're going to pop up first. Pretty tough living out there? It's a great place to live. I can't imagine a better place to live. I was fortunate enough to be born and raised out there. and You know, I've been around the world, and there's no place like Idaho. It's, it's one of the best places to fish in the, in the whole world. There's more fishing than just potatoes out there, right? Everyone just thinks potatoes. Oh, that's fine. We don't mind people thinking about our potatoes, but it's great fishing. It, it really is. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com See if we can get Will to talk about fishing in Virginia. Um, Natural Treats has just recently come to Hot Springs, Virginia. Um, the fishing we'll be doing is on the Jackson River. Um, and notoriously, that's been a, a, a river of debate because of private usage and access. Um, but what we're really hoping to do in general uh, with Virginia Hot Springs is making that area a far more accessible um, area for activities. And because the majority, main problem with the beauty of Bath County is that a lot of people are have a hard time accessing it. The information is not there. So we really want to make not only the Jackson River a, uh, a suitable location for people to come to, but in general, um, Bath County and Hull. And so that all goes back to the King James grant of 17... 17- yeah, you know the year better than I would, but... Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's unreal to believe that something that old is still in, in debate, but for good reason. Uh, I mean, property owners. I'm not going to pick a side or whatnot, but it is an issue, and uh, hopefully some resolve will come soon. And um, in the meantime, we'd like to to offer, you know, private access to to those waters. Uh, but as things develop, we'll see how it goes. I've only fished below. Is it Muma? What do you got down in the river? Browns, Brook, Rainbows? I know there's some pike a friend pulled out down there. Yeah, um, most of our fishing will be above the dam, actually. Um, but above the dam is mostly, I mean, you have your native brooks. Uh, rainbows and browns are obviously prevalent uh, through stocking. As you get below the dam, closer down towards Clifton Forge, there are some bigger fish. You get smaller mouth bass into there, too. So it's great fishing, uh, bottom line. There's a stream of maybe steelhead they put in there to run up and out of the lake recently. Yeah, uh, that's a new project uh, by the the Inland Game and Fisheries, um, whereby they're trying a, uh, a breed out of I think Lake Ontario. Um, the idea is that they'll run down to the lake, spawn, and that's a, a gr- larger area for feeding. So the hope and hope the fish will gain a lot more weight and then come back up the river. Um, those who were put into the river are about a year ago and so right now um a few folks including my father ryan hodges is 
working to see if, if that project has worked, uh, if they're coming back up the river. So pretty soon here we'll see. It would be, it's a really exciting prospect to have two, three, four-pound uh, trout in, in a river like the Jackson. Makes my drive worthwhile from Alexandria. Where can we find you on the Internet? Look up naturaltreats.com. Uh, that'll have both the South Fork Lodge and Virginia Hot Springs location. Also, uh, the, out, the Outfitters, um, dashus.com is our uh, actual Outfitters website. So all of that can be accessed through naturaltreats.com. All right. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Pete Kutzer uh, from the Orvis Fly Fishing Schools uh, here at the Somerset, New Jersey Fly Fishing Show. There's a lot of people here. It's getting kind of crowded, but it uh, seems like it's a good show. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Let's talk about the casting competition you just won up with. Well, uh, I've been doing the ISE trade shows, the International Sportsman's Exhibitions, and I uh, just came back from uh, Sacramento. Uh, I was lucky enough to take first place in the Best of the West Casting Contest in Denver. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We got the finals in Salt Lake City, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hutch Hutchinson won in uh, Sacramento, and Molly Semenik won the women's division in Denver. So we got three Orvis folks going to the finals so far. We're hoping we can get a couple more and uh, try and run it. Any new casting coming up on the, the podcast, any video podcast? Yeah, we're going to start doing some uh, some spay casting uh, uh, videos. I think we're going to uh, – we got that in the works. So uh, we got a new uh, fly fishing instructional DVD coming out, um, kind of going along with the, the TV show, the uh, Orvis Guide to Fly Fishing that uh, I did with Tom Rosenbauer. So hopefully uh, the video comes out real soon and uh, everybody enjoys it. Yeah. Any favorite rod and reel you're throwing right now? Favorite rod and reel I'm throwing right now, I would probably have to say my nine foot seven weight uh, for carp. Uh, nine foot seven weight Helios. I got a Mirage reel on it, and uh, it's a great carp stick. It's uh, it's a great, great uh, bass stick. And uh, actually had the fortunate opportunity to uh, do some false albacore fishing up in Rhode Island, and uh, got quite a few on that seven weight. So it's uh, it's a great rod. Really, really enjoy using that. Uh, and that's probably my favorite rod right now. Favorite carp fly you're throwing? Wooly bugger, man. Wooly bugger. No, no. Uh, you know, something kind of like a Charlie, you know, kind of bonefish-esque, but maybe a little bit darker brown in color, maybe some black. You know, something that looks like a Helgamite. Uh, but my all-around favorite fly for carp is probably just a, just a hare's ear nymph, maybe with some rubber legs on it or something like that. Um, it's a great fly. Just put it in front of them and watch them eat it. Favorite Harrison Ford movie? Favorite Harrison Ford movie? I would have to say uh, Star Wars. You see any uh, any characters here so far this weekend? There's some strange people walking around. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of characters walking around here. Uh, you know, saw all the all the luminaries, I guess. Saw you know Simon Gosworth, uh, Ray Jeff, Lefty. You know, all all those characters. So it's a uh, star-studded event here. Did you have to harass Simon about his Liverpool jersey? <laughs> Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I'll go see what Simon's up to. All right. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thanks again. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, we've got Simon here from Rio CNF Designs with us. Rio, how's it going today? Very good. Very good show. Busy. A lot of interest in fly lines, which is good. I, I got to ask first off, um, who won, Man U or, or Liverpool? <laughs> Liverpool, of course. Wrong answer. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> For you guys. All right. I, I'm more of an Everton fan now these oh, days, yeah. so. They won a uh, FA Cup game yesterday. Yeah, Dem- uh, Dempsey didn't do too, too much for the U.S., but uh, 
Donovan got two assists. Did he? Did yeah. Donovan play today? Yesterday. Oh, assists. was it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so let's talk about um, Rio Lines. I'm a huge fan right now of the uh, outbound. That's pretty much the only line I use for bonefish, carp, trout, salmon, steelhead, everything. Um, yeah. What question? So uh, you guys seem to have, like, the most niche lines out there, and I don't really understand how you can figure out tapers for, like, say, bonefish or carp or bass or or just how do you figure out how you're going to build that taper for specific fish species? Well, a lot of it's um, there's the basic taper designs that work. So if you're going to throw a big fly, you're going to have a short front taper. If you want a long presentation, soft landing, you're going to have a long front taper. You're going to have weight at the back of the line. So there's some, some basic rules of thumbs that you that just, that just are there that you follow. And then you you look at what you're so okay, somebody's going to fish for permit, they're going to use crab patterns, okay, crab, they're going to have some eyes on them, so we've got to have a little more weight at the front. So there's some basic rules of thumb, as I say, that you follow as a basic guideline. Um, if it's a major species, something that's going to sell a lot of product, a lot of lines, then obviously we go make some prototypes of these based on what we think will work and then don't go out to Bahamas or Mexico or wherever and test them, tweak them, take out about 20 or 30 lines, all different taper designs, and then... You know, take some notes down, find out what works, and then go from there. If it needs another session of testing, then I'm very happy to go back and test them again. Tough job going to some place to test line. Well, it's Someone a tough it. job. Somebody has to do it. Um, unfortunately, it's me at the moment, along with half the other rural crew. There's always volunteers to help test these things. Uh, and that's what's good about with us at Rio is that we've got a, a huge number of fly fishers at work there. So there's a lot of input from, from internally from the staff and uh, a lot of people product testing because we all go all over the place fishing just on our own anyway, so we can take gear and test it with us. Uh, so I, I don't know how, uh, how it would work if we didn't have any fly fishers there. I think I don't know how you could do that. So it's just great that we have a lot of fly fishing staff at Rio. And two-handed casting is now becoming pretty big. We were just talking with Dan Davala, who's my local... Uh you know, club president, he's pushing two-handed rods. Can you explain the difference between like a Scandi line versus a Skagit? Kind of break down some of the the two big terms, or maybe two or more, for two-handed casters that or people that want to get into twin casting that maybe demystify. <laughs> demystify? We, we got six hours. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Uh, well, you're right. So the Scandi and Skagit are the two current terms for spay. Basically, they have evolved from the family of spay. Uh, which is a traditional form of casting from Scotland in the 1800s. And uh, Scandi is basically short for Scandinavian. It's a Scandinavian-style shooting heads. Um, they have, feature very long tapers. Usually about four-fifths of the, of the whole length is a, is a front taper. So very, very long tapers taper into a light, thin end. And what that gives you when you're fly casting are long loops, lots of time in the air, lots of flight time, very soft presentation, nice, just nice, well-being, good-feeling casting beautiful easy casting lines skagits are kind of the polar opposite uh they are short lumpy ropes washing lines basically um similar kind of overall length and even it could be a similar grain weight but the taper design is, is radically different there's weight all of the weights spread out across into the front and the reason is that skagit lines are designed to pick up heavy flies heavy sinking tips so when you've got a long fine taper and if you have a big weighted fly on the front end or you've got a sink tip on the front end, there's no way when you make the cast, the lightness will pick up the weight. So these Skagit heads have evolved. They've evolved in the last 
10 years or so, no more than that, since bay casting has become popular in the US. And they've evolved through steelhead angling, particularly in the Pacific Northwest where the Skagit River is, because your prime runs there are October, November, December, January, February, March. They're the real cold months. So the only way you're going to catch fish in those cold months is to fish very heavy sinking tips. And the old spay line designs never cast those sink tips. So something had to happen. And, and guides there were chopping up fly lines and, and, and making their own things that worked would carry sink tips. And, uh, and they've evolved into what's called Skagit lines. So Skagit's are for lifting weight. Scandinavians are much nicer casting, but will never lift weight. It's, it's, it's always the first question to ask somebody. If somebody asks, what should I get? I say, are you going to fish sink tips and big flies? And if there's no... Good, go, go with the Scandinavian. It's much nicer to cast, much better presentation. And if it is yes, then of course go with the Skagit. That's pretty precise. Um, and, yeah, and you guys are based out of Idaho? Yeah. Favorite, favorite place to fish out there that you want to d- share with us? That I can share? Okay, uh, it's got to be the South Fork. I'm a huge South Fork fan. I love the Henry's Fork, I must admit, around the uh, ranch, but uh, man, sometimes that can just beat you to pieces. And so. Uh, just for a good day out, I, I don't get enough local days on the water, so when I want a good day out, I'll just float the South Fork. Uh, usually the Twin to Lorenzo, that's my, one of my favorite floats. Or uh, get up to Hebgen Lake and fish the lake, because I think Hebgen's one of the most fantastic lakes in the country. Wonderful lake. So those will be my two local destinations. What's the worst place you've ever fished? <laughs> oh my gosh. What is the worst place? For me, it was Martha's Vineyard. That was a 10-hour drive to not see a fish. Did you really? I, I, I had a great fishing at uh, Martha's Vineyard, so it must have been just luck. Um, probably the worst place I've fished, um, probably actually in Brittany in France. I was taken over there when I was doing some tournament casting. It was a competition in, uh, in Paris, and I stayed in the fish there for a couple of days on this river up in Brittany, and I fished with the president of the local uh, fly fishing TU equivalent, and uh, the river was devoid of fish. Nobody caught anything, and finally this present guy catches a trout that's four inches long and, and whacks it on the head and puts it in his creel I said what, what, what are you doing with that he said well we kill every trout here I said, okay well, what do you do with it oh we'll take it home for dinner it's four inches long and, so, and that's why there was no fish yeah and if someone's going to get just like an all around fly line from Rio they can do like small mouth large mouth some trout here and there anything you would suggest uh, I would say it's all dep- depending on the temperature so, I mean, our best all-round general-purpose line is real gold. Only goes up to an eight weight, so if people need a heavier line than that, I'd go with something else. The gold is a, is a kind of more of a cold-water coating. A lot of people fish bass and carp in a lot more heat. Those lines will get soggy and not very well, not good performance in the heat. So we have a line called the smallmouth, which is a very good heat line. It's uh, got a great casting taper, and the core has got a tropical core and a hard coating. So the heat means the line won't get slack and, and kind of limp. So if there's heat, I'd go for a line with these, these hard coatings. And if you want a very simple line just for all-round fishing, I'd go with the gold. Uh, if you want a line that's going to do the best distance, it's the outbound that you mentioned. It's, it's the easiest casting distance line we make. And that one you can get in tropical or cold water, so you can get the same taper in both formats. Fished that in Hawaii and fished it in Colorado and up in New York for steelhead. I love it. I can throw anything and far without effort with the switch rod. And that's the purpose of the line. It's designed to cast flies, big flies, cast long distance. And with the different densities we have in there, we've got floating and sinking and intermediates. You've got all the densities covers as well. So it's a pretty good all-round family of lines. And last but not least, does uh, Stephen Gerard fish? <laughs> I've never had the chance to ask him. I think he would. I think he'd be a dry fly fisherman. I was going to say worms. 
Oh, we'll leave it with that. Simon, thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot. Got Sarah Gardner here from the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Hello, everybody. So let's talk about fly fishing out in the Outer Banks. I've been down there, and Jason, producer, has been there a couple times. Uh, we got different types of offshore fishing, and I fished off the jetties. Yep, we've got freshwater, saltwater. We've got the sound fishing. We've got nearshore fishing. We've got offshore fishing. We have it all right there on the coast, and it's all fly fishable. If someone's going to go down there to Outer Banks on vacation, a rod and reel outfit they should bring with them? I think if you're going to do it yourself down there, you could definitely get away with an 8 for waiting. Yeah, you don't have to have anything major, and if you have a 6 or a 7, you can still get away with it and not have too much trouble. And your clients, you provide all the gear if they're coming down empty-handed? We provide everything. If they're coming down, at, we make it so that they can take a trip. A lot of times you've got the kids, the dog, the tricycle, the grill packed in your car, and there's no room for a fly rod, so we make it so that. I just had that going to Ohio for Christmas. I got behind the baby seat in the car for my steelhead gear, so it was tight-knit. And what sort of species are you going to be catching? Well, if you're down there vacationing in the summer and you're doing it yourself, it's probably going to be speckled trout, probably some smaller bluefish, probably flounder. If you're really lucky, maybe some stripers. And then if you get out with us in the boats, you'd get all of that, plus the opportunity to get off off the beach out in the open ocean and maybe get some sharks and some cobias. So kind of a... Since you guys are out in the Atlantic pretty far, I guess that's the farthest point on the East Coast. Hurricane issues... Yeah, but in June you're fine. It's usually, I think in the time that I've been there, everything has happened the last week of August and the first two weeks in September. It seems to be condensed into those three weeks that we really have our issues. And usually the kids are back at school by then. Not Virginia. We have the King's Dominion Law that school starts after Labor Day. Ah, that's not a bad thing. That would work for us too because a lot of the restaurants go, you know, start panicking because they lose all their kids. Favorite restaurant for people to eat at? Oh, oh, I can't, can't, can't make me answer that. But we have the best restaurants, family-owned, independent, one-of-a-kind restaurants anywhere on the Outer Banks. Best. Outer Banks Brewery or whatever it was. Absolutely fantastic. Outer Banks Brewery is great. And um, there's some other good tap houses that have a lot of good beers on, on tap. But just whatever you, the, the beauty of it is that whatever your favorite type of food is down there, you're going to find it. Whatever your favorite type of beer, you'll find it. What's the deal with the OBX stickers? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> you see those everywhere in Northern Virginia. I have to tell you, though, the reason why we have so many plastered to our booth is because people recognize it. They know exactly. We, and people just, you, you just see them just key right into it. But do we have one on our car? Hell no. So where, if, uh, where A, can we find you on the internet, and then B, if someone's driving down, where are you going to be located? Good question. Outer Banks Fly Fishing, and we're we, OuterBanksFlyFishing.com, Outer Banks Fly Fishing on YouTube, uh, Captain Brian Horsley YouTube, Oregon Inlet Fishing Center.com, pretty much you'll find us. And Oregon Inlet Fishing Center will find you an offshore charter or an intermediate charter also. And Brian's also on Stripers Online, Fly Fishing Forum, so find him there absolutely so uh we heard you saw a doppelganger walking around here i did and um it could be the real deal because he kind of had that same lispy talk what tv show is this person possibly from it looked like he was from the big bang theory 
the one that I saw. You guys saw somebody too, right? The guy who looked like the man from Up, but that was a cartoon. Yeah, that's right. Um, I thought I saw, I can't remember, he's Professor, I want to say Klosky. He's not one of the main characters, but he's in there. He has that, that really bad wisp. I am Professor Klosky, and I am a physicist. But I don't remember his name now off the top of my head, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Always something interesting. Any uh, good memories from the show so far? Oh, my gosh. I'm standing next to Dave Woodlock. And, and he's had some really little kids come in and just be, like, super excited. That was my reaction when I first met him. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. And, um, you know, it's great. I got to spend a little bit of time with Lefty Cray here, and he's doing well and buzzing around here like he's still – his jet packs are still firing. So I always come home with good memories from the show. It's all about – it's not so much about booking trips at this show. It's about spending time with friends and love it. All right, well, Sarah, thank you so much. Pleasure, guys. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, visit www.robsnowwhite.com. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.